Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. From KQED. Earlier this month, President Trump issued an executive order that would ban WeChat starting next month. If that happens, it'll be a huge deal for Chinese communities, especially in San Francisco's Chinatown, where people aren't just using it to talk to family, but to politically organize. Part of that power of that community to fight for itself, to stand up for itself, is its ability to mobilize. And in the last five years, that ability to mobilize has been really channeled by WeChat. WeChat has been used to suppress political speech. But if you're running for office in San Francisco or if you're trying to organize in the Chinese neighborhoods, you're going to need it to reach one of the biggest voting blocks in the city. Today, what losing WeChat could mean for local politics in San Francisco. I'm Erica Cruz Guevara. Welcome to the Bay. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as like the place to be California, the land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. San Francisco politics, first off, are incredibly cutthroat and involve an incredible amount of money. Part of the reason why is because every neighborhood is like its own little town, its own silo. And perhaps one of the most important one of those silos is the Chinese community. Joe Fitzgerald Rodriguez is a reporter for KQED. 
The Chinese community has developed uh, over time in its history in San Francisco uh, its own media infrastructure. Uh, there are Chinese language newspapers and uh, radio stations like and TV stations like KTSF. And so the Chinese constituency, because it has its own media ecosystem, um, tends to have uh, a sizable portion of its political conversations in that ecosystem and comes to its decisions through that media ecosystem, which makes them a very sought after voting block. And what has emerged in the last five years or so is WeChat arising as another pillar of that media ecosphere. So where are people using WeChat in San Francisco and, and how do they use it? Well, the Chinese community in San Francisco and the Bay Area is certainly not monolithic. You know, there's multiple generations, people who've been here uh, for for as long as anyone who's been here, really, except maybe the native peoples of you know the United States. In San Francisco, many of the second, third, fourth generations and so on have kind of settled out west, out in the Richmond District, the Sunset District, the Bayview, uh, really all over, but pr- probably most um, pronounced in those communities. Um, but a lot of San Francisco's recent immigrants still first come to Chinatown because of the support of a number of institutions that have been there, some for centuries, some for decades. And so uh, one of those more recent um, organizations, not recent, but historically recent, uh, is the Chinese Progressive Association. And they're an advocacy group that helps um, not only helps organize people in the Chinese community and particularly in Chinatown, but all over, all over, but particularly in Chinatown and the Tenderloin and other nearby areas, um, but also helps them organize themselves. Um, so I, I, I spoke with Casey Ho from the uh, Chinese Progressive Association, who had been involved in some campaigns to organize single room occupancy hotel tenants. From what I remember, our SO organizers are... Um, in touch with about 50 SRO buildings in Chinatown. So Casey had pretty extensive uh, uh, experience using WeChat to organize folks, to uh, inform them of their rights, to just see how they're doing, frankly. And it's really easy to not know how deep and how broad the SROs are in the city, how many people live in them. There are hundreds of SRO hotels in the city. And in those hundreds, each of those hotels can have 200 rooms. Before pandemic, they do connecting and like um, visit, like actually house visits to all the uh, to different SRO families and they have their own like turf, so to speak. And besides just going in person, they're staying connected with these families on WeChat. And a lot of those folks are very vulnerable tenants. They're people living on the edge. The, the whole point of an SRO is it's a cheap place to live because you can share kitchens and share bathrooms and you get a single room. But a lot of families find themselves packed there. And then because of poverty and all of those compounded oppressions, there's also a lot of like pressure and tension that people, a lot of psychological stress that creates tension among neighbors when you live in such cramped quarters. That sometimes the best people to help address it are SRO organizers who live in SROs, who get it, who can try to um, you know, mediate some of those issues. Unlike, you know, giving a phone call, which may be kind of intense and laborious or, you know, uh, emails, whatever, which might be a little more formal, you can just check up on people. 
I also figure that some people running for local office may use WeChat a lot to kind of gather support from Chinese voters, right? Oh yeah, no, totally. I was taught so right now in San Francisco.、Um, Uh, there are folks running for the board of supervisors, essentially our city council,、uh, and part of their outreach lately has been, you know, can we help you during the pandemic? You know, it, it makes sense that campaigns have pivoted to this because you can't go and shake hands and kiss babies during a pandemic. So they're、uh, they're reaching out to people on WeChat and saying, hey, how are you doing?、Um, are you okay? Are you, you know, are you a single senior living alone? Do you need groceries? How can we help you?、Um, And and a lot of the a lot of their election election outreach has been on WeChat. And one sign of the importance of the of the monolingual Chinese community to San Francisco and San Francisco politics is the fact that the mayor's office has a、uh, Chinese media and community liaison, and that is Mason Lee. He's been、um, with multiple mayoral administrations. Actually, the guy is pretty darn experienced. And he、uh, um, he is solely responsible for reaching out to the Chinese community on behalf of Mayor London Breed. You know, sometimes people have questions about、um, small businesses or like where to get、um, resources, whether they can open or not, whether the office is like an essential business or not. So then we're able to connect them with、um, the Office of Economic and Workforce Development. You know, who also have uh, uh, the capacity of speaking with the、uh, the constituents in、uh, whether it's in Cantonese or Mandarin. Mayor London Breed has her own page on WeChat with followers. Mason Lee told me more people in the Chinese community reach out to Mayor London Breed on WeChat than they do by email or phone. The mayor has also has a um, um, Chinese newspaper article that she publishes every two weeks. Singtao、um, and World Journal, both of them. The mayor's QR code is there as well, and every now and then, you know, people read the paper and then they will they will scan the code on the newspaper and they'll, they'll add it. There are all kinds of other ways that WeChat is used in San Francisco. Joe spoke with a parent who uses it to provide information about what's happening in public schools. There are small landlords who talk to each other about tenant protections, and of course, it's also used to keep in touch with people in China. All of this could be in jeopardy thanks to the executive order President Trump signed earlier this month. Can you kind of? Give us an understanding first of like what is happening with WeChat, and why Chinese communities in San Francisco are so concerned. President Donald Trump has had his kind of escalating tensions with China and also with the technology sector, and so as part of that, you know, he's gone after TikTok, and he's gone after WeChat, and he. It's it's very unclear in what technical fashion he'll be able to do this, but he has basically instituted a ban not on WeChat operating in the U.S. Although it's effectively a ban on WeChat operating in the U.S., but on business deals with the Chinese、uh, companies behind WeChat. So that effectively bans its operation, and. You know that has sparked a concern in a lot of Chinese communities across the U.S. that they'd be unable to speak to their families, and that's definitely a huge concern. But at the same time, because it has become so popular with talking to family and friends, it has become an important organizing tool. 
I'm curious who is, though, like most likely to fall off the radar for organizing efforts in San Francisco if WeChat isn't a viable option anymore? Yeah. So, you know, Chinatown, Tenderloin, Bayview, Visitation Valley, uh, these areas still have a lot of monolingual Chinese speakers, uh, Cantonese speakers mainly. And those are the folks who are going to lose out. And those folks are largely newer immigrants or immigrants who have been here for a decade or so, but still haven't been able to quite learn English as, as, as much as they'd like. Those folks would be disenfranchised if WeChat weren't here to help organize them for their needs. Did any of the organizers that you talked to have any backup plans in mind um, for a situation where WeChat isn't a viable option anymore? I mean, they're the backup plan. Gosh, they're besides themselves. This is like an incredible infrastructure of some of their organizing. I, I mean, to give you a little bit of the the, the landscape, the Chinese Progressive Association, while not new by any means, is younger historically than some of the other groups. Other groups in Chinatown had reached out to them for WeChat training because they recognize it is so necessary, but they maybe don't have the expertise that the Progressive Association has. Well, they do for a backup. They told me they don't know. They told me that there's, you know, there's chances that other apps will raise to prominence, but this, this prominence of WeChat took years, was not immediate. And a lot of seniors who use it now, you know, they're afraid that, you know, a lot of seniors are not as versed in technology and it's harder for them to learn new apps and technological tools very quickly. So that, be, that can disenfranchise a lot of people. You take Facebook for granted, you take Twitter for granted, you take text messaging for granted. It just is, right? Like, it's just a thing that exists. You don't think about whether it'll go away. Um, like, what happens to you if text messaging goes away? Can you imagine that? And so what what really hit me with this news of Trump trying to ban WeChat and what that might mean for San Francisco was just how every day it was, how important it was to the fabric of, of everything. There are real concerns with WeChat and Tencent, the company that owns it. Chinese and Chinese-American people here in the U.S. have reported being censored or having their accounts deleted for talking about controversial topics like Hong Kong. Meanwhile, a group of Chinese-American lawyers announced they have plans to file a federal lawsuit in Northern California against the president's WeChat ban. The group dubbed the WeChat Users Alliance will argue that the ban is unconstitutional and effectively censors a community that has been the target of historic discrimination in the United States. Joe Fitzgerald Rodriguez is a reporter for KQED. This episode of The Bay was produced by Aditi Bandlamudi and Alan Montecilio. The Bay is made at your public radio station, KQED. I'm Erica Cruz Guevara. Talk to you Wednesday. Hi there, I'm Randa Fatah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. 
That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. 